are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Wednesday, June 30th, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, Managing Editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, Director of Scouting at TheDraftNetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and today going to take a little trip through the Dolphins roster, through the Dolphins organization, and get to the bottom of who exactly is, and more importantly, is not on the hot seat for the Dolphins in 2021. Uh, there's been a lot of buzz over the course of the past week for CBS Sports' Jason LaCamfora, who put out a list of NFL coaches who could find themselves on the hot seat this season, and mysteriously enough, included Brian Flores in that conversation. And uh, obviously, this was something we touched very briefly on on Power to the Pod yesterday, amid the fan questions. Uh, But I wanted to commit a little bit of time this week to who actually should be feeling pressure and where there should be no pressure. So, Let's start with Brian Flores. Lockham Forrest surprisingly included him in his list, and his justification and snippet as to why was as follows. There's a lot of rumblings around the industry about all not being well in Miami, which has pretty much been the norm for a few decades now. People are already keeping a close eye down there as it pertains to the Miami Dolphins organization. Quite the interesting snippet, right? Uh, He also goes on to state that if there was a power struggle in Miami, he believed Flores would win that battle with presumably Chris Greer. Um, Although, again, it, it does, this Dolphins organization, from my perspective, is the best it's ever been under Stephen Ross for everybody being in a collaborative effort and moving in the same direction. There's also a very odd inclusion from Lockham for in his report, constantly running out coaches and players who were just selected the previous year and put in critical positions is an unusual way of breeding chemistry and cohesion and creating that other played out C word culture. Are we going to sit here and pretend like the Dolphins don't have good culture right now as an organization? Why? Because Changeli stepped aside after one year when it was pretty apparent that he was selected to come in and work with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Fitz was on an expiring contract? Should they have made more consideration into a succession plan there? Perhaps. But you also have to remember with offensive coordinator Patrick Graham, he wanted to leave. He said that the Giants defensive coordinator working for the Giants was his quote-unquote dream job. Chad O'Shea, offense was given feedback by the players. It was too complicated. And the Dolphins offense struggled in the first half of the year until they were able to acclimate themselves to the playbook. And Chad O'Shea reportedly did not change his coaching style, which did not suit Brian Flores. Keeping guys around just for the sake of keeping guys around isn't a reason to keep them around either. You know, it's, it's, continuity is very important. 
But I would also argue that continuity, just for the sake of continuity, if you know something's not going to work, you know, the offensive line coach issues, the offensive coordinator issues, I get it. It's not ideal. But at the same time, there's perfectly good justifications. And the fact that plenty of indication within the industry that not all is well in Miami because we're jettisoning players and coaches in and out makes you wonder who Jason Lockhamfor is talking to and why it might be some of those people around the league who were given the boot in a short duration of time because it's not working the way Brian Flores wants it to. On a heat level of 1 to 10, Brian Flores' seat, regardless, is a 1. Because you are ultimately judged not on how much people like you when you have to change jobs and go find a gig somewhere else. It's based upon winning. And Brian Flores overachieved in year one, and he overachieved in year two. So I understand there might be some hard feelings from guys like Kyle Van Noy. And I understand Chad O'Shea might have felt some kind of way that he left New England to cush gig with the Patriots to take an offensive coordinator job and got fired and couldn't get another job until he landed with the Browns as a wide receivers coach, and he was unemployed for a long time. Lock Amphora has earlier this offseason also alluded to the Dolphins' decision to draft Tua Tagovailoa and whether or not everybody was all unanimously on the same page with that decision and indicated uh, that that might not be the case. The nice thing about working not just in the Dolphins' field but also working in the NFL landscape for the NFL draft is you do get to, with TDN, we have the opportunity to meet with and talk to a lot of people And I've heard some speculation about who may or may not have been all in or on board or hesitant about that particular decision for the Dolphins, but I'm not going to sit here and go off on a bunch of hearsay or a bunch of third-hand information. Have I heard some speculation? Yeah. But ultimately, the Dolphins made the decision that they did And the entire objective of what we do here on Locked on Dolphins, I try my best to seek understanding of why the Dolphins operate the way that they do. If we get to 2022 and the Dolphins make a quarterback change, that'll tell you what they ultimately feel and who's still in the in-house for that decision will tell you ultimately about if there was conflict around that decision or not. But as of right now, Everybody's rowing in the same direction, which leads me to believe that there is no hardship between a potential quote-unquote power struggle between Brian Flores and Chris Greer. And there ain't no way Stephen Ross is going to clean house with the way that this rebuild has been going. Now, I think the roster is good enough that even if Tua Tungvaloa struggles greatly, you're probably going to be close to what used to be 500. You can't be now that you play 17 games unless you have a tie. And you can't fire Brian Flores for that. You can't fire Chris Greer for that. You've just now let them get their fingerprints and identity on this roster in a way that they're probably going to want it to look like. Hence why Brian Flores earlier this offseason tells Peter King, the guys on the roster are the guys that are going to determine whether or not this team contends or not. 
Bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action. Right now, you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL, and UFC. Head over to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sign-up bonuses, contest information, sporting news, you name it. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So if we don't think Chris Greer and Brian Flores are on the hot seat, who is on the hot seat as far as the Dolphins are concerned? We can look at this from a number of different forecasts. We can look at it for the 53-man roster projection. Remember, they've expanded game day rosters to 55, but you're calling up two players from the practice squad on any given week, so you still have to do the cut down to 53. We could look at it from a 2021 to 2022 perspective. I think the first name that does come to mind for me is Mike Gusecki, uh, because he is expected to command a significant amount of money on his next contract. And the Dolphins, with the way that they have addressed their skill group, both Hunter Long in the tight end room, Seathan Carter in the tight end room, and the addition of wide receivers like Jalen Waddell, who is forecasted to start in the slot, it makes you really ask, okay, if Mike Gusecki is effectively a slot, a big slot receiver, how much overlap between what the Dolphins have been looking to formulate with their pass catching group versus what they have in Gusecki? How much overlap is there for those two things to be on the field at the same time? How much is that worth to Miami versus how much is it worth to another team on the open market? There's not a lot of easy answers there. But if Mike Gusecki enjoys Miami and wants to stay in Miami, and he's certainly taken on a leadership role or appears to have taken on a leadership role. And I'm sure if the Dolphins ultimately did decide to go in a different direction, you would hear once again, oh, wow, they're, they're booting leadership off the team again. Who's going to fill into these voids? Um, but Mike's a little different kind of animal because it, this, there's business decisions that have to be made, and then there's cultural decisions that have to be made. And Mike Gusecki, from a team culture perspective, unquestionably fits what the Dolphins are looking to do. This would be a business decision if they opted to go a different direction. I don't think we're going to see an extension between now and the start of the season. I would be very surprised if that happened. Just because I think the Dolphins, with the uncertainty around Tua Tungvaloa and wanting to build the best supporting cast to help them evaluate Tua this year and get a feel for how big of a jump is he going to take, they need the flexibility. That's was the name of the game at the beginning of the offseason that we shared if I had one word to describe the offseason for the Dolphins this year, it's flexibility. I think that continues into this upcoming season and into next offseason as they continue to tinker and try and get things right. There's no question they're moving in the right direction. It's what's the ceiling of what you now put in place. And you can only evaluate that and then make good business decisions by seeing it in action on the field. You can't make too many commitments before getting new information. And I think that's the case in Mike Isecki. Speaking of Tua Tungvaloa, I do think Tua is, to some degree, he's on a warm seat. 
you know, if I said Brian Flores' hot seat is a 1 to 10, Mike Gusecki's is probably a 7.5, not from a performance perspective based off last year, but like selling the team on his long-term fit within the direction that they're trying to go. I would put Mike at a seven and a half. Tua, I would put probably at a five and a half or a six because, like Jason Lockhamfor said, the Dolphins make unemotional decisions. They don't care if they just brought you in. If they find an opportunity to upgrade a player or if they find an opportunity to transition and go a different direction because it's not working, they're not going to be afraid to make those decisions. Now, I do think because Tua Tagovailoa was the number five overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft, I still think he does have some extended wiggle room. So I'm not going to say his seat is scalding hot. I don't think he's one of the players in the NFL with the most to prove. And I certainly know he has some backing within the upper levels of the team that want to give him the opportunity to work things out. But at the same time, Miami has been, I don't want to say impatient, but they have been cold and calculated with some of these decisions that they've made in personnel over the course of the past 12 months. Eric Flowers, three-year, $30 million deal, dollar deal. The second year, effectively, the entire salary was fully guaranteed. Traded him. Took the L on the salary. Kyle Van Noy, cut him. Shaq Lawson, three-year, $30 million deal. Traded him to Houston for Bernard McKinney. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I think they have moved so much offensively to try and position themselves to say, okay, we saw what did and did not work for him based off what we had last year. They were interested in bringing in Tony Elliott for an interview for the offensive coordinator position. Elliott politely declined. I think that would have been a home run hire. Obviously, Steve Sarkeesian would have been a home run hire. He got hired by the, as the head coach of the Texas Longhorns. He's not going to take an offensive coordinator job over a head coaching gig in, in college, which is where he's had the most success of his coaching career. He ain't going to do it. So not everybody's going to have a rock star Sean McVay lying around waiting to get hired. You certainly aren't going to hire Joe Brady, who was the passing game coordinator at LSU and got hired to be the offensive coordinator in Carolina after one year. Like, you're not going to hire him away. So, like, everybody's saying, oh, co-offensive coordinators, it's kind of weird. Like, yeah, and the vast majority of the guys that they had on their short list opted to, to stay in promotions they had Matt Canada they were interested in, got promoted to be the offensive coordinator in, in Pittsburgh. Mike McDaniel, run game coordinator in San Francisco, stayed on because Robert Saleh took assistant coaches with him to the Jets and is now in a higher position with the same team he was in. So, like, who, did, who were we expecting? They, the Dolphins, have done well to maneuver and put the best infrastructure that they can around Tua Tagovailoa, and I do think he needs to show a jump. He cannot be the same timid version of himself that he was at times last year. He needs to be more confident in what is happening. He needs to be more assertive with the football. 
more willing to take risks. And I don't know if some of it, from a sports psychology perspective, is he's a rookie quarterback who's been preached on, don't turn the ball over, don't make negative plays. And you're in a playoff race, and you're playing closely contested games. Perhaps that's some of the hesitancy. So maybe starting from square one and just being there for the entirety of the process will help to loosen up some of that hesitancy too. Two is on a warm seat. I don't think two is immune if the Dolphins found an opportunity to go out and get a young, elite quarterback. I would not say the possibility of them making a change is zero. If the price was right, if they did not feel inspired by what Tua Tungvalo puts on the field this year. But I think the vast, the, the majority of outcomes lead to him not being on a hot seat that would prompt in him losing his job this upcoming season. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices are the same at rockauto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all of your auto parts needs and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. I can tell you who's not on the hot seat, Built Bar. Built Bar is a lock in my cabinet. From now for forever, Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are delicious. They're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar, 100% chocolate on all their bars. And there's 10 plus flavors to choose from right now at BuiltBar.com. You can visit BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. So we have Brian Flores at a 1 out of 10. Tua Tungvaloa at a 5.5 out of 10. Mike Gusecki at a 7.5 out of 10. You know whose seat is scalding hot? Emmanuel Agba's. Because Emmanuel Agba is going into a contract year with the Dolphins in 2021 and has actively publicized, courtesy of his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, that he wants a contract extension with the team. But here's the problem. The Dolphins have plenty of connections through both coaching and management to the New England Patriots style of building a team. And one thing that they have not done traditionally, a lot of people off of this tree, is pay pass rushers premium money. They like to draft this position a lot. And the Dolphins just drafted Jalen Phillips in the first round with the 18th overall pick in the 2021 first round. So you're Agba. You enjoy a career year. You finally stay healthy. You lead the team in sacks with nine. You want a contract extension that's probably going to check in $15 million plus per season just based on knowing that the cap is going to grow, and that's what Matt Judon got this year. And Judon had two or three years of quality production, but also played in a blitz-heavy system that allowed him to get some free runs off the edge. Your Emmanuel Agba, 
you damn well better have 10-plus sacks this season if you want this contract extension to come in with the kind of price point that you want it to. Otherwise, you're at the risk of Miami saying, well, if all goes well, we're going to have our quarterback, we're going to have our wide receivers, we're going to have a bunch of young guys on the offensive line. Nothing that's not above upgrading at a number of different spots. But we feel like we have the majority of our starters on the offensive line. We're really deep in the skill group other than the running back position. And even then, you got reliable pieces and role players, just not a a do-it-all bell cow kind of player. And we've already seen what the Dolphins' trends are early in the draft, though, as far as it relates to drafting running backs. You extended extended Jerome Baker. You got Bernard McKinney under contract with no guaranteed money, so you got lots of flexibility. You got the most expensive secondary in the NFL. Genuine question, what else are you going to draft early? A pass rusher. So... Out of all the names that we've mentioned thus far, Brian Flores, Tua Tagovailoa, Mike Gusecki, Emmanuel Agba's seat is the hottest because he has to sell, just like Mike Gusecki does, that he's a part of the long-term fixture, but he also has to break a trend that you typically do not see these people or decision-makers who have backgrounds that have a history with the New England Patriots, like... The New England Patriots, they're like trading Chandler Jones and trading Jamie Collins. And like Chandler Jones in Arizona has been one of the best pass rushers over the last five years of anybody in the NFL. New England traded him instead of paying him. They let Flowers walk, and he got $18.5 million a year from Detroit. And Trey Flowers was like, Miami was number two on his list before they eventually bowed out. We're like, hey, man, geez, like, that's a lot of money. Thanks, but no thanks. Now, Emmanuel Agba potentially going into asking for a similar price range when you consider the growth of the salary cap. You better have one heck of a season if you want to sell the Dolphins on making that decision. I got one more hot seat for you. Devontae Parker. Of course, the Dolphins gave Parker contract extension four years, $30.5 million, um, at the end of the 2019 season, when he had the big breakout, it was a big thing that they exercised the fifth-year option, and then uh, they restructured that, and then they gave him an extension on top of that. He's currently under contract through 2023, and then he had the regression this past year. He doesn't really mesh, or at least as of what we saw last year, does not really mesh particularly well with his strengths as a receiver versus Tua Tungvaloa's eye for the position. He's got a cap hit in 2021 of $12 million. His cap hit in 2022 is $9 million. His cap hit in 2023 is $9 million. There's prorated signing bonus money there, $1.9 million per season. He's got a roster bonus in each of those two seasons of $500,000. He's also got a receptions incentive available, which he cashed in on last year and earned himself a little extra money. But... All of that to say this, Devontae Parker continues to struggle with consistency and he continues to struggle with durability and staying on the field. It's been a thing for him for forever. And you saw it at the end of the year last year in a couple of games in which the Dolphins really could not afford to not have Devontae Parker with a hamstring issue, missing those games because of a hamstring issue. Not even that it was just a hamstring issue. It was literally reported that it was a quote-unquote slight 
hamstring strain. He missed the Raiders game. He missed the Patriots game. Tough. So if you tell me you can trade Devontae Parker or you can cut Devontae Parker after June 1st in 2022 before the 2022 season and only incur a $2.7 million dead cap hit, you would then take on an additional $2.7 million cap hit for 2023 as well, which you space that out over two seasons. Or you could do, if you traded or cut him pre-June 1st, it's a $5.4 million hit regardless. Uh, It's just whether or not you want to divide it between two years or one. But his cap hit is effectively equivalent to what you're scheduled to pay Will Fuller in a one-year deal in 2021. So if I'm paying a wide receiver $10 million plus, it better be a guy whose style of play suits my quarterback's eye for the game. And if it comes down to Will Fuller or Devontae Parker, we don't know how Will Fuller meshes with Tua Tagovailoa, but we do know that separation is a much bigger part of his game than Devontae Parker's. So if you're going to pay a guy who's got some durability questions, I want the more explosive player. Give me Will Fuller every day of the week that ends in Y and twice on Sundays. So for Devontae Parker, you're now competing for the long-term vision of the Dolphins in this crowded wide receiver room where you got Devontae Parker and Will Fuller and Preston Williams and Jalen Waddell and Lynn Bowden Jr. and Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns is there. I don't think he's going to make the team. Uh, Malcolm Perry, probably going to be a practice squad guy. But like the list goes on and on and on, and you're going to have opportunities. You see every single year, day two wide receivers come in and have a plus impact on their teams. So if Devontae Parker is going to be a roadblock that prevents you from keeping Will Fuller or bringing in another player who meshes with the style of play that your offense is trying to play, right now I have questions on whether or not that's going to be Devontae Parker. So he's absolutely on the hot seat. I'd put his hot seat level at a 7, 7.5. So of the names that we mentioned, we mentioned five. We have Brian Flores, 1 out of 10. Tua Tungvaloa, 5.5 out of 10. Mike Gusecki. Devontae Parker, 7, 7.5. Emmanuel Agbas, probably looking at a 9. There are people in the Dolphins organization that are entering into hot seat seasons. I just don't buy for a single second that Brian Flores is one of them. Hope you guys got more time in your week for more Locked On Dolphins. We got more shows coming this week, two more of them to be exact. So hit subscribe and keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Fins up. Thanks, as always, for listening to the show. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day today, and look forward to talking to you guys again tomorrow.